Welcome, welcome to another episode of Really Grown Shit, the podcast for the 20-somethings that ain't doing nothing. I am your fine-ass host, Tashia J, and I hope you all enjoyed my first-year fuck-ups. You know, we have to talk about those L's I took my first year because they ended up becoming some wins when I survived sophomore year. Because here's the deal. Studies show... And yes, I'm bringing in facts on this one, that the second year of college is also known as a forgotten year. And I can agree to that testament because it was difficult for me to really remember what the fuck happened my sophomore year of college. But really, it was forgotten because it's a transitional period and adjustment for folks who relied on the school's safety net. Like, peep this, your first year, college gives you so much shit. Come sophomore year, that shit gone. The financial aid starts playing with your money because they actually want to see if you go here. And at the same time, you might just get a refund check and you're sitting here and it's like, ooh, they paying a motherfucker to go to school. And that's just like, no, you got to be smart with your money. Like, this is a pro tip. When you have a refund check, you got to put that shit towards rent or put it in stocks and just let it grow because you're gonna thank me come senior year when your stocks are on top but sophomore year it's really focusing on making stuff convenient see everybody say oh sophomore year i'm gonna bounce back and do better than my freshman year nope because you're still a baby on that campus but you're not really on campus because you've moved out of the dorms at this point Yeah, there's a whole different community when you step outside the on-campus housing. Like, you actually realize, I mean, for me personally, I always saw Berkeley as a college town, so I didn't expect to see actual families and just people living there, not even trying to go to that school. I was like, really? There's hella shit you don't know, and it gets harder when you think you know shit. So, sophomore year, work smarter, not harder, by being convenient. For example, living on a certain side of the city because that's where all your classes are on campus. Moving back home so you can save money on housing. Getting a job in the library so you can do your readings at work. Like, shit like that. You also learn in college how to just get up and go. See, freshman year, I was trying to dress up before every lecture. Actually looking cute for class. Sending photos to my mama like, look at me, adulting in college. Got my professional shit on. Yeah. But then I also remembered something in church. When they call you, you come as you are. And honestly, those professors don't give a fuck about what you got on. Like, I've seen some crazy shit. People will show up to class in like dinosaur costumes, bathing suits, a bitch wore a prom dress. Honey, I done seen somebody walk down the street in the rain with no shoes on, on purpose, like she's holding the shoes in her hands. And if you're wondering, yes. But going back to it, yeah, I had to get up and go because it was one day 
it's 9.45, I got class at 10 o'clock, and it takes me 15 minutes to get over there. So, I just got up and go, and yeah, that's how the story went. But, it was a great sight to see international students, because they have some fashion sense. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. International students at big campuses, they just light of my light, because I got to see the best of both worlds. A lot of them had clothes and fabrics from their native homelands. So it was like really dope for me, a regular home girl from Inglewood, California, seeing all this culture just come in one setting. It was dope. And it was also kind of dope because you had some of the international students who had big baller budgets. So them motherfuckers would be all Gucci from head to toe, Versace, uh, for everything, and I just be sitting here like, oh, I don't need to go to Paris or New York for Fashion Week, they just brought it here, and mind you, this is in 2016, so hoverboards were active too, so can you just imagine, motherfuckers not even walking, not even walking, hilarious, fucking hilarious, and when I saw them dress up, I was like, shit, let me start actually dressing up some days, because, like I said, getting up and go, I can just keep doing that routine, I was doing that routine all sophomore year, until I said, you know what, let me dress up on Black Wednesday, another Black at Cal tradition, every Wednesday, from 12 to 2, in front of the Golden Bear Cafe, we just have all black undergrads, grads, staff, faculty, whoever's just free, and we just chill and just be unapologetic. Some weeks we'll be dancing, sometimes we'll just be singing, we might even have a big old prayer circle, somebody brought some jump ropes and trying to practice double dutch, you don't know, it's different every week. It's, it just reminds me of like all the high school pep rallies because it was just like it brought all of us together. When you're black at a predominantly white institution, it is that imposter syndrome where you're walking on campus all by yourself. So it was always uplifting to come in the middle of the week and you just see all black people in the middle of campus. Like, what? Let me set the scene for you. If you're black, you're randomly walking on campus on a Wednesday what was me? I gotta get through this damn day. You're walking down lunchtime, right? You're walking down Sather Lane. You look to your left and you just hear a bunch of YG blasting. Oh, you already know shit was about to get active, period. I remember the first time I went to Black Wednesday, I was like, all these niggas are clicked up and I don't know anybody. It was kind of scary at first, but... Honestly, I just had to have somebody literally drag me in and say, hi, me, X, Y, and Z, because that's what happened. We kind of do need that push, a little energy to get us out there in the social sphere, but once we're in there, we're in there like swimwear, and literally, from that point on, I said, all right, so I'm going to start dragging people into Black Wednesday. I would be scouting. I would be sitting in front of the Golden Bear Cafe from 12 to 2 on Wednesdays. And if I saw a black person I knew 
just walking, not even in a hurry to go to class. I'll stop the ass and be like, where the fuck you going? You know what today is? It's Wednesday. Come chill. Come relax. You probably are stressed. Like, that was my main thing because I knew how stressful that campus was. And sometimes I was like, I need to see another black face just to get me through the day. And also, it would be if you saw one black person, sometimes we wouldn't really connect with each other. We'd just be like, I'll see you on campus. Well, no need to worry about that. Because we'd be adding people to the Black at Cal group chat. A big ass group chat with just everybody black at Cal. And it was like a one-stop shop. All your important questions was answered. Does anybody at this school braids? Who can cut hair? Does anybody want to study with me at Moffitt? But I'll never forget like the first real Black Wednesday I went to. And it was like really lit as fuck. And I had so much fun. It was a collaboration. So it was the Nigerian Student Association and our Afro House. They were hosting Black Wednesday because they had a party together. And the party was lit, which was even better. Um, But it was also a defining moment for me because I just found another space for my people. And at that moment, I did not know I was going to be living in Afro House come sophomore year. I really didn't know where I was going to live, to be honest. Like, that was the year they decided to over-enroll and everybody's struggling looking for housing. I'm like, shit, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I just want something affordable and a space where I could see my friends. My homegirl actually took photos during a tour of Afro and she was like, hey, it would be really dope if we lived in the triple. And I was just like, eh, I was still banking on an on-campus apartment. I didn't get it. Time was approaching. Fuck it. Let's move to Afro house. It's convenient. And let me just tell y'all a little bit about cooperative living. But shit, might as well be the projects. From first glance, you'd have thought they put a halfway house on campus. But if you walked inside, it was a lovely trap mansion. Afro house is basically the upperclassmen version of the Afro floor. Most of the people from my floor ended up moving into the house like our sophomore year. But the house is filled with a mixture of transfer students, seniors, It sometimes might even be folks who don't even go to Cal. You just get the best of both worlds. But what I really loved about Afro House was that I did not have to leave. If I just paid rent every semester until I graduated, I would not have to focus on housing. And I'm like, that's a smart plan, especially for my pockets. Like I was paying $1,600 a month to live in the dorms at the co-ops. I paid 500 and I got the same, some of the same perks. Like I get free food delivered. I get a bed. I would just, I get to choose my own room, which makes it even better. And it's close to campus, but there's a, but yeah, there's a, but if you're looking for the cleaning crew, bitch, you better pick up a mop. There's a whole ass chore wall and you get fined if you don't clean up dead ass like for every hour that's 15 in the books and there are days 
where I would have to cook for the whole house. Thank God it's only 20 niggas. So spaghetti, pasta, pizza, that's going to be your best friend. Because I'm looking at the other co-ops and they're bigger. We were one of the smaller houses. There's houses that fit 105 white folks and they be doing all kinds of shit. I don't even know. All I can know is what the black folks did. And yeah, we were known as the party house, which is crazy because we were the smallest house. Parties would get so wild that the floor, the floor would go up and down. And I'm sitting here like, oh, at first I thought it was cool. But then when I started to live there, I'm like, no, this is a safety hazard. So around the first week, they're asking, who wants to be social manager? And nobody said anything. So I hopped in a position because I want to keep the legacy of Afro House being the party house. I hopped in the position and I learned why nobody wanted to be social manager. So to keep it a buck, there's so many logistics when it comes to throwing parties in the Berkeley of all places. Like I had to pay the fire department just to come and see the house shit's mad annoying i gotta get a permit from them every time i needed a party and if they found any red flags my money was gone it was very it was annoying because literally the year i come in is when all the shit in the house will start breaking down bit by bit if it ain't one thing it's another and i'm just oh i was about to fight oh this man is racist but i was like no He's really just doing his job. That house is 100 years old. Like, before it was Afro house, it was the Jew house. I think it was a white fry house. I don't know. There's a lot of history behind it. But I used to think I would hear racist spirits in my dreams. Turns out that was just a next door neighbor. I don't know how long she'd been there, but that bitch would be outside the window every week. And she'd pick her head out of her house like can you turn the music down and i just remember one time she just came there like you're washing dishes while the baby is sleeping bitch it's 2 30 in the afternoon stop forcing shit you just want to the bitch want to see me react and then figure out a way to just get rid of the black house that's all i knew but i was like fuck that shit i got a way to figure this out so with all that being said we didn't have our first party until three months later. It was November. Oh, and it was lit. Because I went the first Friday in Oakland to promote it. Like, I just dropped the flyer in the street performers. Like, when they were, like, asking for donations. I'm like, here's a party you can go to. <laughs> I told my cuckoo-ass neighbor to go to her daughter's house that weekend. Because we were having a party. There's going to be noise. I even brought cookies. Like, I was nice. I was respectful. Shit. It was hilarious because we had, they, the street performers actually showed up and they brought a camera crew. The DJ was dope. Shit. They was about to bring the house down. Literally. We were having so many people come in. Like there was a line outside the door and the floor is rocking. Yeah, I got the floor rocking in that bitch. And it hit me. I said, oh shit. I was seeing too many videos of houses caving in during really ratchet parties and i was like shut this shit down cut the cameras shut this shit down like nope 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 i didn't want to throw another party after that because it was just too close 
even though at that point we parties would have been a breeze for us to throw, if one motherfucker stomped too hard, the whole house go down. And I live there, so I'm not trying to just, where else I'm going to go? Like, our house was next door to the stadium, so I started thinking, let's do tailgates. Then we would have special dinners. Basically, at the end of the year, we just order a bunch of food, get a bunch of alcohol, and get drunk. That's how you celebrate life. And I loved how if there was ever a big black event on campus and they had hella leftovers, there was always that nice soul who said, let's bring the food to Afro house. Somebody in that house is going to eat that food. Trust and believe. Another thing that happened my sophomore year was I got my first job, my first ever paid position. I was actually planning those big black events on campus. I worked at our African American Student Development Office as a program coordinator, and I just planned everything. Our black student orientation, our yard show, Kwanzaa, the Black History Month, and then there's an award show I have to plan at the end of the year. It was a lot, but I felt like one of those official motherfuckers. Like, we even went to a conference in Philadelphia for just black student leaders across the United States. I was official, like legit, legit. And it was a small office. It was about eight undergrads and two recent grads who were planning programs for our black student body, which was about a thousand students at the time. But we were also about to open up our Fannie Lou Hamer Black Resource Center. The same thing. They were protesting that senior weekend. The same senior weekend, I came to Cal. So what do you call that? Another full circle moment. So every day I was working there, it was always some different shit. And let me just tell you, sophomore year, everything get faster, like double time. I thought I had got my crackhead energy out freshman year. I went to so many concerts, day parties, regular parties, sneaking in the clubs, but I didn't know it was protesting time. And you know that Berkeley is that motherfucking school. Well, it's actually that motherfucking city. There's a protest somewhere there, big or small, right? Somewhere. So let me set the scene. It's election day, 2016, and they're streaming the results all day. The political niggas on campus are like, vote, nigga, vote. The clock is ticking. I remember going literally all around the spaces where there's people of color. Just checking, seeing everybody. People were glued to their seats, people crying. I saw all the fucking emotions. It was crazy. And I remember I walked back to campus and they had turned off the live stream for the results because it was just too harsh of a reality to see. And I remember there was a fucking protest. They said, started screaming, not my president, not my president. And I'm just walking over here, hearing that shit. I'm like, hey, they with the shits. I see some motherfuckers I know. I said, hey, this is my time to shine, y'all. Go up in that motherfucker. I said, I'm going to start chanting with y'all motherfuckers, too. We chanting. We walking down, telegraph. That's not my president, not my president. And at first, I was like, I'm going to just keep walking to Channing so I can just take bear transit home. We walk past Channing. I'm still walking. I'm still screaming. Next thing I know, 
I'm in the front of the protest with everybody. I'm linking arms with these motherfuckers. I'm like, oh, oh, I hope there ain't no cameras here. I just had this adrenaline rush that was just, let me go, let me go. We didn't walk down the street, but my adrenaline rush wore off when motherfuckers started walking on the freeway. See, that's something I just won't do. I'm like, out of all things, I'm like, we can do that. We got to make it organized. We can't just all just start mobile, walking on the fucking freeway all free willy-nilly because motherfuckers like to drive and are reckless. Bless his heart, an accident happened, and I was like, it's time to go. My phone died. I couldn't call no Uber. I ran into my housemates on the way back, and I was like, thank you. Thank you. Can we all walk back home? Damn, man. We walked three miles, front and back. Six. So six miles in total. <laughs> I remember I broke my shoes that day. Well, well, it was a pair of shoes that were on its last leg. And shit, it was crazy. But that wasn't the only wild shit that I had to deal with. There was, a, it was, this wasn't a, even a protest. It was like shit went wild, hectic. This man was trying to come speak at our campus. And he, I don't know. What the fuck his name was? Milo Yipalop. I don't give a fuck. But he was coming to speak on our campus. And everybody was like, no. They were saying this shit around October. He cannot come speak. And he was coming to speak in February. February comes. It's Black History Month. The same time the resource center's opening up. So they got all this heightened police presence on campus. Because they're like, okay, there might be protesters. There might be agitators coming so my first instinct is just to take my ass home. But I'm a nosy motherfucker. So of course I just want to see what the fuck is going down. They told students, try to go home early today because it's going to be a hot ass mess on campus. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, y'all are bringing police on this campus. I don't feel comfortable as a black student here. And the most I can just do, but I'm just like trying to see all this shit go down. Literally nothing happens. Everyone's just standing around there. It's like a staring contest. And then I think somebody threw, they broke a window in our student center, but that's about it. And I think there was a fire. There was a couple fights. But my ass was like, listen, I'm black. This ain't got shit to do with me. I'm going to take my ass home. So... At the end of the day, motherfuckers was acting a fool. They was burning shit. So much police on campus. My granny was calling me from Inglewood. Because literally they was filming all this shit on the news. Tashaya, you out in them streets? My black ass is literally just trying to go home with a bag of popcorn. It felt like I was watching a movie. Like It felt like I was in a movie. It, yeah, yeah. So I had to handle all this shit. While still being in classes, while still writing papers, taking tests, all this shit. And I'm just like, how many more years do I have? How many more? Because this ain't it. This ain't it. Because really, your sophomore year is your doing too much year. Like, I've looking back, that was my doing too much year. I had my job, my social manager position. I was a part of BSU. I interned at our recruitment center. 
my days were from like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And then I'm studying all the way till 2 a.m. I get home by 3, wake up at 8 to restart all over. Ooh, I was so fucking tired. But at the same time, it felt really good to get adjusted to a routine. And I was like, oh, I'm doing something productive every fucking second. And if I ever was slacking in my work, I had a receipt for everything. I got so many extensions, excuses from class. And then when the resource center opened up, oh, that was that was my saving grace because I just had somewhere to do everything. And I really like to study with friends. And so when the resource center opened up, I was like, okay, I'm not writing these hunky ass papers alone. Oh, but I wasn't the only person doing too much at Cal. Everyone does over and beyond, especially during dead week. So for context, at Cal, we just have a week with no instruction, just studying the week before finals. Niggas go on trips during dead week or they usually struggle because their professors give them extra ass study guides. It's one or the other. So there's hella de-stressing events on campus, free food, study jams, like the broke college student struggle is real. So me and my friends are in the library and out of nowhere, I just see butt ass naked white people. I kid you not, ass everything, all shapes and sizes. Motherfuckers with blow horns, pots and pans, y'all. And the people were showing their faces, no shame in their game. I did see some black and brown folks, but them motherfuckers had masks on. Because I was like, listen, the campus is 2% black. Somebody from the spot troop, they see your face. And all these people, this sea of just naked people running through the library for 15 minutes. Finally get to the middle. That's party naked. The most whitest shit I've seen in my life. Come to find out, that's the naked run. And... It happens every semester. And then I was like, let me transfer to UCLA. Dun, dun, dun. I need to get the fuck out of here. But at the end of the day, sophomore year is when you declare your major. That's the main reason why you stay on campus or why you continue to pursue your education. They say you choose it your first year, but really you're just taking all the classes to get you in the motherfucking major. You don't even know if you're going to get in. Your second year is when you actually declare. And I always knew media was my calling. But in high school, I was really pushed away to study that in college. I had teachers telling me, you should use your brain for something else. And with me being the first person in my family to go to college, and I'm such a selfless person. Like, going to school for me was going to school for everybody in my family that couldn't go. And I remember my family, everybody kept talking about Tashaya should go into healthcare, Tashaya should go into healthcare. So I really tried. I really tried. I came up with toxicology because it was a dope ass major. Then I jumped to public health. Then I went to business. Then I went to sociology. None of that shit said me. No, no, no. Then I saw media studies and I said, you know what? Let's try to double in media and social. So my spring semester of my sophomore year, I decided to apply to media studies. And if I didn't get in, I was going to do sociology. 
Welp, a bitch got in and I was juiced as fuck. I literally was so happy to have declared my major. And I remember walking into my first major class and seeing all the other three black people in the same row. And I was like, yes, I got community. I got family here. Honestly, out of all the classes I took in the department, I've only encountered 10 black students in the media studies. Thank God I was friends with them. We had study groups tackling all the rough classes together. But at the end of the day, I wasn't satisfied in my major. There were topics I wanted to explore and shit I felt that we can go more in depth on, but the classes were taught through a certain lens. And if you know what I know, you know what that means. We had one day about intersectionality and I was like, that's it? That's all you got? Okay. All my essays were about black issues. But I remember there were times that my professors told me to tone down my writing. They were, I'm used to writing for a black audience, so there's a lot of cultural terminology that my professors didn't understand. I only rewrote a paper once. Because I was looking at my professors like, listen, you finna read whatever the fuck I got on this paper and grade it. I fought for my voice and challenged myself to be a better writer. And it worked to my advantage because I ended up getting a degree. So that's how it works. But when I realized the weakness in my major, I said, okay, it's time to get a minor. So with me already just being around the African-American studies department, it wasn't that hard for me to just say, let me just hop in one of these classes. But the first class I took in the department was taught by a white man. Race in American film. It was actually my favorite class, to be honest. Plot twist. It was so fucking good. It was my first A I got in college. And that, my friends, is how I survived my sophomore year. Literally, in your sophomore year, you gain a sense of responsibility. You start to ask yourself the questions of what do you need to do to stay on this campus and succeed? And you start to map out the next two years of your life now that the first two are already over. So now shit starts to get easy. But I just want y'all to stay tuned.